You are listening to the Gay Florida Man podcast. This podcast is hosted by retired corrections officer, Mark DeWolf, who will discuss various topics prevalent to corrections, gay culture, arts and entertainment, as well as current events. Listeners need to be advised that this podcast will discuss situations involving extreme violence, substance abuse, sexual assault, and murder. Details of actual events have been modified so as to protect the privacy of involved parties. Welcome back to the Gay Florida Man. This is episode 18, and joining me once again is Robbie as we continue our discussion about different horror movies that I own some type of prop, wardrobe, or production material from. Today, we're going to be talking about The Exorcism of Emily Rose from 2005. Welcome back, Robbie. Thank you for having me back. Oh, absolutely. Always a pleasure. We love to talk about scary movies. And today, we're going to be talking about Emily Rose, 2005. What are your initial thoughts on that movie? It has to be one of my favorite all-time possession movies ever made. I rewatched the movie, as I told you, over the past few days. It's been a while since I've seen it. And I went and kind of looked up the original case that inspired The Exorcism of Emily Rose, and it took place in Germany. Mm-hmm. And uh, she actually passed away the 1st of July, 1976. Annalise Michelle, if I'm pronouncing it correctly, because she is from Germany. They definitely took some liberties with the screenplay, with the story that they did. The original case, she went through 67 Catholic exorcism rites. I guess she was being treated medically for several years. They didn't get the results that they wanted, so they went to the Catholic Church. They were denied twice, and then the Catholic Church went ahead and gave the go-ahead. She ended up passing away. And I guess the official diagnosis uh, was psychosis caused by temporal lobe epilepsy but the priests obviously believed that there was something there demonic so she was given the exorcism rites she had stopped eating and died of malnourishment and dehydration um i guess was on the the autopsy and so the the prosecution there in germany went after the priests and what they had decided was is that the parents were originally going to be charged, but I guess they were excused because they'd gone through enough trauma losing their daughter. And then the priests were sentenced to six months in jail, suspended three years probation for manslaughter resulting from negligence. That inspired The Exorcism of Emily Rose. And in the extras on the DVD, the director, Scott Derrickson, said that he read in the vicinity of 2,000 books on the subject matter. He said it was an unpleasant experience and he would never do it again. But yet in 2014, he did deliver us from evil. So I guess money does talk. Either that or he's just a fucking liar. (laughs) Just call him out, Mark. Call him out. I love to watch the different things, Robbie, on the DVDs or whatever I can find on YouTube, the extra features, and you learn more of the process of how the film came together, the research that was done, the inspiration. I love to collect all this information and and hear it from the filmmakers. Do you think he really read 2,000 books? 
I, I mean, that's pretty incredible if somebody did, but I do have to call BS unless he referenced or had different excerpts that he referred to or read. What is it? Glazed over um, yeah, from, yeah. from 2000 different books. That's pretty remarkable for somebody to take that kind of, you know, that kind of a research in order to create a film, which don't get me wrong. Some people are really, they want to be well-versed in their art. They really want to be well-versed mm-hmm. in the material. That's pretty excessive and almost hard to believe. When I when I was watching him and he was being interviewed in the extra features of the DVD, I'm like, I mean, the prison guard of me said, oh, get the fuck out of here. You're crazy. Maybe the cliff notes of 2000 books you kind of glazed through. I don't believe that he did. I mean, and again, he uses it in very vague terms in the vicinity of, I think, is exactly how it was worded. Yes. Okay. That's that's a, that's the that's the go to to cover your ass for right. all of that. Yeah. I was in the vicinity of. That's just very generalized. It it fills in the very big shoes of other horror movies that have to deal with evil possession. The one that started it all, The Exorcist, The Omen, the Amityville Horror, the different possession Amityville Two. Did you see the Amityville Two? I don't believe so. What, what, what year was this? This would have been early 80s. The first one came out in the late 70s based on the book. Mm-hmm. The second one, Possession, is actually the story of Ronnie DeFeo getting possessed and shooting his family and that he was possessed. It's kind of like a, the storyline of part two is a possession story. It's a great scary movie for that time period. I think you'd really enjoy it. It might be a little dated. It's again, it's a great movie. And it came way, way, way earlier than uh, Exorcism of Emily Rose. Of course, Emily Rose is based on a true story. This movie coming out, it seems like it has to follow up on some great, great movies. And you start to ask yourself, should they even have bothered doing it? Should they have waited longer? I don't know. Uh, don't get me wrong. I am going to be biased just because it is one of my favorite possession films. There are incredible possession films like you just stated. Uh, but this has to be one of the one of the closest ones to me, considering that even growing up here in Utah, which is predominantly Mormon or uh, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, I was surrounded by Mormonism. My family was staunch Catholic. So this was a, you know, most possession has to do with some aspect of the Catholic Church or some aspect of religion, of course, because the devil is in play here. This one was, in my opinion, well done, not only because it had the scary factor of Again, spoiler alerts, everybody. This is, it's beyond <laughs> obvious now. So get the fuck out of here if you're not already aware. It has these flashbacks because it's what's really happening is this court case, this modern day court case. And they keep on, between conversations with people, they're referencing moments in time that give you in the movie a flashback to what had happened or what was witnessed. And with that being said, I thought it was so well done. And there are things that I consider myself a religious person, not very religious. Uh, I've had moments where I've doubted my own faith multiple times. Of course, even coming out and being a part of the Rainbow Mafia, there's a lot of that that wants you to, you know, consider where you belong with in Jesus' eyes. Um, so, uh, so, uh, but watching this film, it definitely played to my. My Catholic side, it definitely played to the catechism, studying these languages. It played to the first thing, of course, at the very beginning of the film. There's a scene where the cross on the wall 
after there's, there's like a lightning storm happening outside and the family's scared and they're gathering like in the living room and mm-hmm. one of the crosses mm-hmm. on the wall spins and turns upside down. That's always been like a trigger for me because growing up, that was one of the first memories of like Catholicism was that the upside down cross was a mockery of the crucifix, the crucifixion of Jesus. So mm-hmm. anyways, God, wow. <laughs> Sorry. Um, no, you're uh, good. You're good. <laughs> I have to digress for one second. You know, we use this software to record this podcast and it's called Alatu. And I just glanced up as Robbie's talking and it shows who's logged in as you do a podcast. And so we have myself, which just says you, and then I look over and you can designate whatever you want to be logged in. Normally, Robbie would type in Robbie. And today he wrote in a homosexual guest. So that <laughs> caught me off guard. Very clever. Thank you, Robbie, for that. You're welcome. <laughs> that was great. That was great. The Exorcist Emily Rose. I want to just find out one thing and, and tell me if I'm wrong here. Why did they hire Ann Robinson from The Weakest Link as the judge for this movie? That was the shittiest casting. You know, you've got this woman playing the judge. A lot of this movie is courtroom, and it's the story of the exorcism is told through flashbacks as different characters tell their experience with Emily becoming possessed and acting crazy, and then the debate whether it was psychosis or if it was actual demonic possession. But the judge reminds me so much, and I just cannot break out of seeing Ann Robinson from The Weakest Link as the judge. It's this woman with short hair and the glasses, and she's portrayed in such an overly bitchy way. And it totally reminded me of The Weakest Link. You (laughs) you made me IMDB that, because I thought that that... I was like, are you fucking kidding me? How did I not notice that? But you're wrong. Yeah. You are just pulling my leg. Yeah, oh, no. I'm, I mean, I'm, no, I'm, I'm totally bullshitting, but it's just that character. And I think that's one of my biggest problems with this movie, Robbie, is that all the characters seem to be overplayed with the exception of Emily Rose. And uh, Jennifer Carpenter, who got cast, mm-hmm. actually w- had worked with Laura Linney, yeah. who is mm-hmm. like the one defending the priest, the hired by the Catholic Church to defend the priest on these charges. I guess she had worked with Jennifer Carpenter and they had already cast Emily Rose. At least the director had somebody in mind that he was convinced that this person would be great for the part. But then Laura Lenny threw this other name in the hat and Jennifer Carpenter was over in Europe and had to fly back for an audition and ended up getting the part. And I guess she did a really impressive audition just because the way she was able to contort her body and her physical movement she's a very athletic actress yes and she did a great job i will say if you watch this movie or re-watch it she does an amazing job as emily rose she was great that was definitely the best part that and the music the the score for the the film was amazing those were my two favorite aspects. The judge, I fucking hated. I did not like the flipping back and forth. I just wanted to follow the story of the exorcism, but it's also part horror, part courtroom drama. Yeah, yeah. And I, yep. and I guess they had gone and they'd watched the 1982 film The Verdict as part of their research on doing this movie. Did you know that? No, I didn't. Yeah. They kind of tried to tie in like a dramatic courtroom film with horror 
I don't know if they wanted to appeal to two different audiences or it's like, this will be different. This will be exciting. We'll up the ante for horror films by doing this. I kind of think it missed the mark. There's not a lot of stuff online that I could find about this film. I don't think it was as well received as they'd hoped. But um, I think it's a great film, and I love a lot of the visuals. And if you just look at the parts, the flashback sequences following her story where she's in her dorm room in the bed, she's getting pressed into the bed, that's fantastic. It's great. The whole exorcism when she smashes her father in the face with her doll and breaks the porcelain doll's head when she hits her father that part's scary in the barn with the snakes dropping on the priest amazing keeps going back to the courtroom and i i don't know i'm just not a fan of that robbie see i loved i love that aspect because it gave you a moment to breathe it gave you a moment of release to get away from that because i just uh, watched it again a few days ago and had a few people over to watch it and everybody left before it started so that is whatever <laughs> anyway so uh <laughs> Not upset about that still or anything. <laughs> uh, when I watched it, there, I think it's well done, just in the sense that it gives you these these moments of breath to like catch your breath after what you've witnessed. Because these moments that you see that are flashbacks are fairly traumatic. They're fairly they go from zero to a hundred percent. So a lot of them you can't even like prepare for. Because at first you're watching the priest talk about a moment that he had in his home, and then from the last word in the sentence you're immediately taken back to this flashback and the flashbacks are not slow they're definitely mm -hmm. like the height of what had happened i really enjoy the way they did it i really like the pacing of it i feel like most horror films that you see they kind of have moments of this back and forth this pedal to the metal and then they they let off and then they do it again and then they let off so i think that normally in most films you want to keep that kind of rhythm going but in this case, having a flashback be that pedal to the metal, I thought it was really creative. I thought it was well done. Specifically for me, you know, that Catholic in, in me, that scene in the barn tripped mm -hmm. me the fuck out. I felt very uncomfortable almost. And of course, you know me. I love films. I love horror movies that make you feel something other than safe. They make you think, they make you feel uncomfortable, they make you feel uneasy, they make you feel scared, whatever it may be. But when I've done so much research when it comes to religion, which is why I still, like I said, I claim religion, but I'm very open to anything else, anything and everything else, just because I feel like you can't focus on one thing because you're shutting yourself off to so much more. When she started speaking in tongue, not even in tongue, she started speaking in different languages and Mm -hmm. A lot of these are like Aramaic and ancient languages. And she starts naming these people's names, the all of these different versions of the devil in or Satan in different countries or different religions and different aspects. Goddamn, that definitely got me. The first time I watched it, I was all, huh! you know, <laughs> flashbacks of uh, catechism. It was rough, it, you know, being been over the little school desk um just kidding <laughs> that's uh, that's catechism wow <laughs> wow my god that was always the confessional for me because i was raised catholic too <laughs> um i hate the word trigger but it was definitely like a moment where i was like woof that was a lot of research a lot of history that's kind of flooding back when they're speaking these languages and hearing these names and i thought fuck like this was well done like this was well acted like you said she did an incredible, 
incredible job. The screaming and the guttural sounds and the hissing and oh, the yeah. facial expressions. Yeah. I honestly don't think that whoever they picked beforehand could have even held a fucking anything to her she was amazing she did a great job it was filmed in vancouver there's actually an urban legend i was reading about online the university of minnesota pioneer hall is haunted and that's again according to the urban legend where emily rose first got possessed if you look at the real case that took place in germany then you know that that's just an urban legend but i think that's kind of interesting interesting yeah you know, her uh, her physical talent got her the part. She did a great job. I haven't been able to meet this actress, and I know she appears at conventions occasionally, Jennifer Carpenter. I hope at some point to be able to meet her so I can show her the pictures of the different props or wardrobe, rather, that I've got that she wore. So in my collection, because i got to throw this in since that's kind of like the theme that we're doing as we talk about different horror movies right now is stuff that I've got. I've got her nightgown that she wears when she's possessed. And of course she's out in the barn and in the house. I've got her doll that she hits her father with and breaks the head of the doll. I've got pajamas, like a green tinted pajamas that she, that's from the production. I haven't gone back and looked exactly where she wore those. And then when she's in the cafeteria with her friend and she starts seeing the demon faces on some of the other students and she's, becoming more and more possessed i've got that outfit with her penny loafer shoes and i'm going to post pictures of those outfits on social media and of course the doll so make sure you check out instagram facebook and twitter and i will post some pictures of that stuff do you own this movie robbie the exorcism emily rose you mentioned uh, you having the DVD, but I don't know what DVD stands for. Um, <laughs> I, so I stream everything. Um, okay, well, can you get the extra features or the director commentary when you stream? Normally, that's on a thing called the internet. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> and this is why people we have such a hard time dealing with Robbie because he is so. How old are you? Twelve, Robbie? Or no, you're thirteen now, right? Okay, that's assuming, and that's not PC anymore, so I'm going to cancel you now. Oh, Um, here we go. go. You won't be the first, and you won't be the last. I've been canceled by a lot of my exes, Robbie, so that's okay. I know why. So, (laughs) Oh, an amazing, amazing time that I always have with Robbie. Um, In regards to the other exorcism movies that we've both seen, and throw in The Exorcist, the Amityville 2. Would you still consider The Exorcism of Emily Rose because it hits so close to home with you and your Catholic background, where would you say this falls, this movie, in regards to all the... And again, throw in The Conjuring 2. Where does this movie fall as far as best, middle? Yeah, I know it's not going to be the low end because you've already said you love it. I would have to put it up there with one of the best, honestly, in my opinion. I feel like there is... The best? Okay, so not the best. It's hard. I'd say like one to ten. I would probably put it at like a seven and a half, I would say. Okay. Maybe half is pretty juvenile. But nonetheless, (laughs) I, uh, (laughs) I, it is one of my favorite horror films of all time. I think it might have to be one of my favorite possession films as well. There's just so much, especially... From this Catholic background, the again, my parents are very Catholic, very much so. 
uh, but they have taken a more lenient stance on things since I came out and my sister came out and all of this stuff. But growing up, just the amount of shit you're hit over the head with when it comes to Catholicism and Jesus and everything under the Bible, it, it's so hard to not feel that not only did they did an amazing job researching and putting these little tidbits in there, but it was definitely a moment where you are like, fuck, man, like, I didn't really consider myself. I haven't prayed in God knows how long. Maybe I should start again kind of thing. Like, that's that's <laughs> what this film made me feel, which is rare because possession films are usually, I was going to say fun, but that's not okay. Um, they are usually <laughs> entertaining. They are for me. <laughs> They're entertaining and they're different. And I like to see what aspects they bring to the table that are new and refreshing. But this one was like, hey, Robbie, remember that one time that you were, a, you know, a Catholic school teacher for three years and you ate, slept and breathed the church, like the Catholic church? I'm going to remind you about all of that and make you question you stepping away from Catholicism a little bit. That's what that film did to me when I first watched it. Which is pretty remarkable because, again, I don't have that feeling when I watch most films. This brought so many little tidbits. Waking up at 3 o'clock thing. The oh, yeah. coincidental like burning, like the smelling of something burning. Uh, shadow figures. Uh, the coincidental thing. So I'm going to tell you a weird story. I worked for a, a thrift store called Savers for a really long time. A little over six years. And this probably happened when I was probably 19. And at Savers, you have donations that are given by the community and people, cars, nonstop all day are ringing the doorbell. You go out, have a giant rolling bin, get all of their donations, throw it in this bin, and then wheel it to the back and unload it. You do that same thing all throughout the day. So at one point, at the end of the night, we were cleaning up and uh, we have these, I think, like six big donation bins. And of course, you want to make sure that there's no donations left at the end of the night. So that way you can have empty bins in the morning when, you know, the store opens. Because normally mm -hmm. even people mm -hmm. drop stuff off and you just pick it up. So I was cleaning out the bins and making sure. And normally it's even getting like the shit that has fallen to the bottom. Little beads, little whatever. I was cleaning out the last bin. And there was some stuff at the bottom. And there was something that was shining. I reached down and I picked it up and it was a ring. And the ring had an RG engraved in it oh. and again this is one of those things in the film there's a moment where the the defendant the defense good lord jesus christ sorry um <laughs> she uh she she ends up telling the priest about a story she's walking out in the snow she sees something glimmer on the sidewalk and she lifts it up and it has her initials engraved in it and she goes what are the fucking chances that me of all people that walk that sidewalk all day long stumbled upon that that have their initials engraved in it and that was one of the most fucking weirdest things because it made me think when i found that ring which i still own to this day i'll have to take a picture and send it to you mark and you can post it if you want but yeah yeah anyway so it was the weirdest goddamn thing and that is those things that make you think and kind of give you that little chill gotta be some shred of truth to some type of supernatural element or something out of our control Yes, yes, yeah. yes, fuck, yeah, exactly. And as much as I want to be logical about shit and be fun and entertaining, and I, I like to consider everything. So there's a part of me that considers shit, like you said, like out of our control, in a different dimension, a different realm, in a different world, something. Like how the fuck and why the fuck did that happen when it did? And why was I the only one to find it in my initials? 
It's fucking weird. That's very weird. You know, for me, there are certain movies and certain possession shows that definitely make me question God, the devil, heaven, hell. I can't say that this movie did it. Exorcist made me question things. Even The Conjuring had a pretty good impact. The Exorcism, Emily Rose. I was older, of course, when I saw it. And the other ones, I was younger. The Exorcist is still going to be my go-to. It had a profound impact how I view all horror movies. And I think it does for most people in regards to uh, fans of the horror genre. But The Exorcism of Emily Rose, how do I sum this movie up? I'm going to say that I think it's a good, strong movie. I think it's great casting. It's professionally done. It's flawless in a lot of aspects. If you're a horror fan looking for a horror movie, I would probably not recommend this movie. If you're somebody that loves drama and loves courtroom movies and maybe is not a huge fan of horror, I would totally recommend it. Maybe to bring you over to the dark side. <laughs> I mean, I thought it had some scary elements. I thought the lead actress, Jennifer, she did an amazing job. I hated the prosecutor. I know that they kind of write that character to make you hate him. I don't know. He's just a smug fuck. I don't really He's care. Bitch ass. I hated him. Hey, yeah, I just, that little mustache, I just did not like. Okay, first of all, what do you have against mustaches? You need to settle down now. Well, I have nothing against mustaches. It's that guy. It's his face. It's the mustache. It's the whole combination. It's nothing. I, I have no problem with people with mustaches. It's that guy. I don't know what it is. Rewatching it the last few days, I liked watching the possession scenes, Robbie. Like, in the dorm room, when she sees different people walking by or in a, in a different car or in the classroom, mm -hmm. and she looks at them and they do the CGI, the eyes turning black, blood, like black blood running down their face from their eye sockets. That was creepy. And, you know, they open their mouth and you hear that scream. I thought that was great as somebody that's going through the process of getting possessed. I thought that was amazing. The barn scene, amazing. The fight with her father, the scratching on the walls. Mm -hmm. All of that was great. I don't know. I I just hate the flipping back and forth between the courtroom and the, the storyline. If they'd stayed with the storyline, I think I would have loved the movie. You do prove a good point. It is not your stereotypical horror film or your no. stereotypical possession no. film whatsoever. It yeah. does give this like Law and Order meets The Exorcist kind mm -hmm. of thing. But, exactly. But, but I did like it. I don't know what it was. Maybe I think maybe I liked it because it was different. It wasn't your... um full throttle possession and floating in the air and spinning heads and vomit and priest shit. It was a different view. It was a different aspect. It was a different, it was a different scenario. And I, I don't know. I really enjoyed it. And again, mm -hmm. I would have to say if you're a die hard horror film lover and you love the scary shit, you love the on edge, you love that kind of stuff. This probably isn't the film you would be holding extremely high. Right. But if somebody has a religious upbringing, specifically Catholicism, this is a movie, like myself, you may find yourself a little, like, kind of caught off guard. Because it does, if a film does its job, they've done the research, they've done all they need to do in order to bring somebody that knows that religious background to make you feel uncomfortable, to make you stick that knife where you normally don't, you wouldn't expect it. It's a little bit of a PTSD moment for me where I'm like, God damn it. Like, I consider myself a logical person, but this is definitely eating away at the vulnerable little Catholic boy 
<laughs> me i don't know it was I, I thought they'd i thought they did a very good job with the film but like you said i agree if you're a diehard horror fan this is probably something that you would probably be like yeah it was all right but for me i think it's the horror and then the religious thing i thought it was executed extremely well i will have to agree if you have like questions of faith of course a lot of times people that do suffer from mental illness or some type of drug-induced psychosis it's easy to say that there's some type of demonic thing going on. But so much of things that happen with somebody physically can be attributed to mental illness. And I do like that they raise that question. Mm -hmm. At what point is it demons don't exist? This is mental illness. This woman's having seizures. And people can do some amazing things under extreme duress or drugs that they would normally do. This is not possession. And I think that that's pretty interesting. And of course, the, the Catholic Church has become much more stringent, especially after the exorcist, where they look at case-by-case -case scenarios that come in as they screen it on whether or not it raises to the level of warranting an exorcism. Yes. And I, and I imagine that they do not do very many exorcisms every year. I doubt that those statistics are online anywhere. But I'm, <laughs> I'm glad that it's they... A, it's a poll. There's a poll out there right, somewhere. Right. <laughs> and so I think that that's an interesting aspect to the exorcism of Emily Rose. The movie's not my favorite. When those props and wardrobe became available, I'm like, well, it's an exorcism movie. I know it's going to have a lot of interest with people that are into this sort of thing. And at some point, maybe I'll flip them and sell them to get something that hits closer to home like Leatherface, Jason, or Michael Myers. But for now, I'm going to hold on to this stuff because I know it generates a lot of interest and people are fascinated by it. The movie's definitely got a following. Robbie, you're part of the following. I'm glad that you loved it. I'm glad that it hit close to home with your Catholic background. Yeah, well, thank you. I'm glad I could be of service. <laughs> I mean, it does hit close to home, I guess. It's weird because to follow in the footsteps of The Exorcist, is like a nearly impossible task. oh yeah I, but then again i don't think it uh, sorry to keep on going back but i don't think it was trying to hold a light to the exorcist it was based off this person i think they did a decent job of portraying this annalise character and bringing it to the u.s making it you know whatever it was but i think they did a great job because like the exorcist there was no court case they did have the priest stuff but it was like it made you think, okay, so in this situation, the Catholic Church does not go out on a limb for most things. But the fact that they were letting a priest testify on behalf of this girl and to even have like any kind of connection to a actual possession case is fairly remarkable. It's kind of like, I don't know, it, it's so out of character for the church because they're so secretive and so careful with what they do. So when something happens like this, it's kind of like, whoa, this is yeah. a unique situation. Yeah. And maybe not to go off subject too much, but there was another possession movie that I watched called Veronica. It dealt with possession, but it was in, I want to say Brazil. It's mm. all in Portuguese, I believe. Wow. And it was the first case. I don't know if it's the first case in the world, but it was the first case, at least in Brazil, maybe. I don't know. I have to look at it. Sorry, I should be better prepared. <laughs> that uh, they had police confession that what they witnessed when they entered this apartment, I think it was, a girl being possessed. 
Hmm. And she was, I believe, floating when they first really entered. I believe so. They've never had basically any kind of law enforcement say, well, we went into this house and yeah, they were possessed. They were usually like they were psychotic. They were mm-hmm. whatever it was. Again, psychosis, seizure, blah. But this was the first time that a law enforcement has actually said, no, she was legit possessed. This is some fucking crazy shit. And we witnessed it Two, I think it was two officers witnessed wow. it and corroborated. And so. And it can't be justified in any type of cables. I mean, they know for sure this woman was levitating. Yes. Like it was. And that was what I heard about this film. And so, which made me watch, want to watch this show, this movie called Veronica which was about the girl that was possessed or getting possessed. So I like that kind of shit because like, again, when a church steps in to say, we performed so many exorcisms and da, 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 and you know, medicine couldn't help. So religion was the only way to help this girl or possibly help this girl. Right. I get my, my little intrigued flag goes up at full staff and ugh, that was a really thing for this podcast anyways so, <laughs> a hot anyways. guy does it for me but you know to each their own <laughs> uh, i'm easy to please um so uh it was something that i it hit my radar and i had to watch it and i just was not disappointed so it was recom- recommend yeah. veronica veronica okay before we leave i just got one more thing to say robbie and that is you still have not seen The Exorcist, is that correct? That is very correct. When are we going to make that happen? Like, what's it going to take? Like, is it going to take a, a cash buyout? Like, what do we got to do to make you sit down and witness what many believe to be the scariest film ever made? So, a little bird told me that you are visiting Utah really? soon. And really? I have discussed with my husband, as well as... No joke. I've talked to my family about it because okay, for okay. those of you that don't know, which probably is everybody, growing up, my uh, my mom was going to church and she was told to not watch The Exorcist when it came out. Yep. So yep. being the you rebel, yep. yeah, being the rebel that she was, she went and saw it, but she said it changed her life for the worse. She felt as though that been said before in reviews that people think that the devil had a hand in creating this film um, mm-hmm. and that there is some kind of evil entity that surrounds the the watching or the witnessing of this film. Uh, my mom made us promise when we were, God, I don't even know, like six, <laughs> um, to never, ever, ever watch this film. And I am 32 goddamn years old and I've never seen it just for that reason. So when I brought it to my mom's attention, she was like, oh, you haven't? Oh, I thought you would have just watched it already. And I was like, ah! That was me being a good fucking kid. Jesus Christ. I thought you would appreciate that. classic. And so I was like, okay, then fine. I'm going to watch it then. Mark, when you do come visit, I would love if we've set aside the time to watch it while you're here. Okay, real quick. You're going camping though, right? Ish. So I'm going to figure this out. I'm going to figure it out. We're going to make it happen. We got activities on Monday afternoon. So I didn't know where that was for Friday. So you have to let me know if that's going to happen because I've been trying to coordinate with other people because we got some photo shoot activity going on next week in Salt Lake City with the Gay Florida Man and a lot of the guests that have been on the podcast. So you're going to be seeing a photo shoot on social media, again, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, so you can see all the people that have been on the podcast that are located in Utah, or at least most of them, if they make it to the photo shoot. 
Well, let me know because I'd love to watch your reaction with The Exorcist. I think at this point, Robbie, I think you're going to be disappointed because you've seen so much or heard so much hype all this time about this movie and now you're going to sit down and there's going to be no way it's going to live up to all the hype. I can't wait to throw something at you just being like, I'm watching this shit right now. Exactly. You're going to say, oh my god, this is like watching a Betamax or Reel to Reel or all these other like uh, a Sony Walkman, like all these outdated technology track lighting, all the shit that I love that Robbie hates. That that's part of my growing, up. and oh he's totally God. confused. It doesn't know like laser disc. What the fuck is that? Eight track tapes. I know. I'm old. I don't. Know, but you're young. Six sixty. At heart, what are you? At heart. Six, 67? I hate you. I hate you. Uh, I'm gonna end this episode <laughs> with the same thing I tell you every week, Robbie, and that is to be good. And if you can't be good, be good at it. If you're sitting in prison, you're not good at it. Thank you, everybody. You heard our review, Exorcism of Emily Rose. If you haven't seen it, check it out. Thanks, Robbie. Bye. Bye.